Welcome to another week of It's Just My Thoughts, and I'm your host, Mika Reeves. And today I have a special guest in the building. I have Taylor Neal. Say hey, Taylor. Hi. And so I'm really excited about uh, today's show. Today's show is centered around relationships. And I'm really, 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 really excited. So last night when I was laying in the bed, um, I was trying to catch up on my podcast for the week. And I watched the interview with Selena Johnson on The Breakfast Club. And she actually talked about relationships. I would suggest you to go out and actually listen to it because she actually dropped a lot of nuggets. It was like 55 minutes long, but I actually thoroughly enjoyed the entire episode. But as far as this week for me, my week has been pretty light. I actually had a better week um, from last week. So I'm really excited to jump into today. So let's just get started and go into Motivational Mondays. So today I encourage you to compliment yourself or acknowledge something that you have accomplished and just, you know, give you give yourself a hug. All right, so let's jump into Black History Spotlight. Just give me one moment here. All right. So this may be a little long, but I have a fun fact, and it was that Martin Luther King Jr. improvised the most iconic part of his I Have a Dream speech. On Wednesday, August 28, 1963, 250,000 Americans united at the Lincoln Memorial for the final speech of the March on Washington. As Martin Luther King Jr. stood at the podium, he eventually pushed his notes aside. The night before the march, Dr. King began working on his speech with a small group of advisors in the lobby of the Willard Hotel. The original speech was more political and less historic, according to Clarence B. Jones, and it did not include any reference to dreams. After delivering the now famous line, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream, Dr. King transformed his speech into a sermon. On stage near Dr. King, singer Mahalia Jackson reportedly kept saying, tell him about the dream, Martin, and while no one will know if he heard her, it could likely have been the inspiration he needed. Dr. King then continued, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. And then the famous Baptist preacher preached on, adding repetition and outlined the specifics of his dream. And while this improvised speech given on that hot August day in 1963 was not considered a universal success immediately, it is now recognized as one of the greatest speeches in American history. So I thought that was pretty dope. All right, so today we're going to jump into some of the uh, hot topics. Me and Taylor are going to go over them with you. So what did you think about um, what did you think about the Super Bowl halftime show? So I'll say overall, the Super Bowl was probably one of the most entertaining Super Bowls at a, probably like the last three. I felt like the last three have been like pretty boring. But this specific Super Bowl was cool. It was very entertaining, really good game. Now the halftime performance. Personally, as a Beyonce fan and stan and fanatic, and she can do no wrong, I felt like the halftime show was cute. Yeah, I thought, you know what I think was weird, though? I think it was weird that um, there was so much talk of how old they were. Mm-hmm. I thought that was weird. Like, the people kept saying, like, J-Lo's 50, this is great, and Shakira's 43. I thought that was weird. And then I thought it was weird, too, that people were so offended this year, you know, considering mm-hmm. Adam Levine last year took off his shirt and it was nipples <laughs> everywhere. But they were offended by, um, you know, Jennifer Lopez, you know, being on the pole and yeah. Shakira. And it was like, to me, you know, everybody said, like, how did they thought this? I've had hot and cold. Like, I've had some people say, 
They thought this was amazing. Mm-hmm. I didn't think this was the best halftime show. I'm still confused on why, like what? Like I'm still confused <laughs> yeah. on how this shit was the most amazing one. I don't, I st- I'm fucking confused. Cause I think the Bruno Mars and Beyonce. Yes. I mean, even if you want to talk just recent ones, I mean, for sure, you know, she either doing formation in the grass. So I I don't know. Like I was just confused on that, but, um, it pretty much was what I thought it was going to be for me. Like I, it it was what I thought it was going to be. I, I, it was going to be some glitter. Um, (laughs) a lot of fucking shaking and gyrating. I mean, it was pretty much, yeah, no, I agree. I felt like. When I was thinking about J-Lo being the halftime host, I was like, we're going to get all of J-Lo. But I think the thing that that is interesting for me, so right before that happened, you know, playing off of the Black Girl Magic theme, um, J-Lo posted a picture on her Instagram, like, are y'all ready for the Super Bowl? She had a shirt on that said Bronx Girl Magic. And so it was this whole discussion about, like, okay, J-Lo, are you really the picture girl for the Bronx? And like, what does that mean? So when she opened up with like, I'm still Jenny from yeah. the block, it was like, okay, she's trying to tap into like this, I don't know, it's kind of like her black fan base almost. And then like, okay, let me tell you. But does she like still have a black fan base? I would say no. I, I think that she has officially crossed over and whatever that means. And like, yeah. she's over there. I think the, the only way she tapped back in that a little bit is in her role in Hustlers, which is when she used the same performance that she did in Hustlers to be on the poll starting out from the right. Super Bowl. Right. And then Shakira, you know, black people love Shakira because of her and Beyonce. And so she, she tied that a, a little bit in there. And then they did their cultural thing, which was great. And I think that's where people get like the amazing like, representation because that probably won't happen again for a couple different years. Um, where was Pitbull? Mm. I don't know. I guess Bad Bunny's the new Pitbull. And a lot of people didn't know who Bad Bunny was. But Bad Bunny also got cut out of all of Beyonce's um, homecoming stuff because he was late on his cue when he was supposed to come out at Coachella. Oh. And so she cut him out. Wow. I didn't know that. Stuff. Like, no, if you late, you can't make this train right here. But yeah, so I guess they were, but yeah, that's a good, that's a good um, observation. I wish I would have saw some more like Pitbull and some other. Bringing like, out Ja Rule. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that would have been kind of cool. Like, I mean, you know, I just feel like the Super Bowl is supposed to like make you be like, oh, sh- oh, shit. Oh, they oh. Didn't even have, did they have fireworks? I yeah, mean- they, they had a, they had some fireworks oh. and, and glitter and shit. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, this was not the greatest Super Bowl of all time. I, people have been saying that. And then, and then you have some people that's like extremely offended. So I feel like you're never going to be able to make somebody happy. I also think too, that this was probably the most political Super Bowl, like mm-hmm. as far as like the commercials, I literally almost died on that Trump commercial. I did not understand that shit. It was crazy. I was like, what the fuck? And so I don't know. Especially even... we were drinking and we looked up and he was on the screen. Like, oh, that was somebody crazy. Change the channel. No, that was absolutely crazy. Like I was like, okay. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, and also I think too, they're trying to expand the markets, you know, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, it being, um, you know, big in, uh, in Mexico and, you know, yeah. they're trying to expand it to Europe. And so I think a lot of it had to do there in Miami. It's a, it's a Latin, you know, Latin community. It's, it's a Latin Super Bowl. I just think it all was fucking, I don't know. And also another thing I thought was political was the pregame. It was all those commercials about like respecting the flag. Did you see that? 
Yeah, that was like before yeah. it started. They had like a whole bunch of about the flag, and, and then I was when like, they did mm. the um, they did that long intro of all the owners, the female owners. But what they didn't tell you, one, it was all these like old white women who were the female owners, and then in addition to that, they acquired ownership because their husbands died. Right, like, they weren't the original owners, and I was like, is this how we're like? trying to debate like sexism and it was really weird it, it, I, I mean so i was like i pay attention to shit like that so i was really kind of like okay where what are we doing where where are we what are we doing girl so i don't know but some of the commercials okay it was they were kind of weak yeah i don't yeah. know it was just okay it was just okay so i don't know it, it I, I i don't know i feel like when it comes to the super bowl i guess we're still um i just don't know if they're gonna have black artists i mean maybe next year I, I don't know. If they have a black artist, it's going to be like a Lizzo. Like someone who crosses over and doesn't steer the pot too much. But maybe not even Lizzo because, you know, for some folks she steers the pot too much. But I feel like it'll have to be definitely a crossover artist and somebody who they can control. Yeah, that's what I think too. So the next hot top is, have you have you heard about Hair Love? Mm-mm. So Hair Love is a documentary. It was like a little short film um, that former NFL player Matthew Cherry, um, he's Oscar nominated for it, and it's about dads learning how to do their hair. It's really cute. Mm. And um, basically, the little girl she goes and she asks her dad to do his hair, and it's about how they kind of work out a plan for him to do his hair. And he was saying that he, the reason why he wanted to do it was because it's so many narratives about how there's no real presence of a black father, and how he wanted to be more of a you know, show more of a positivity around like black fathers. So I wanted to bring this up because, um, I know you saw like all over social media, that kid, I think in Texas Mm -hmm. who they told him he had to cut his locks and he didn't cut his locks. He couldn't graduate. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I mean, I kind of fact check this, but I think they're actually bringing, they invited him to come to the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Um, Gabrielle Union with them. Mm -hmm. Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade was one of the co-producers for hair love. So it's actually pretty dope, but I think, I think it's like, I know like, I don't know what state it was. It was just the other day they passed another state passed like where you can't be discriminated against with your hair. Mm-hmm. But I don't get like, why do, why do you think it's such a negative connotation? Like people are acting crazy over a hairstyle. So I think ultimately I was trying to explain this, um, the other day to somebody, but basically I think that anytime it comes up with like a band of any type, ultimately it's just like rooted same in like those, um, like power and control dynamics of like, exclusion or oppression of a certain identity and so once you are able to like create codes that ban like um the way how a person dress or the way how a person appears especially when it comes to hair right like when we think about like locks in general we think about folks who have a type of hair that can lock easily and more likely that specific population is the population that holds you know that hairstyle and so once you're able to do that you're able to then control the dynamic of what you see in that space um and so ultimately that's how it gets ties back to like power control which we know is like all tied to like racism and sexism like all the different isms and so i think a lot of folks see it as like, oh, it's not a big deal. If it's a dress code, it's a dress code. Yes. And when we think about why codes exist, it is all about power and control. Like, honestly and truly, like my workplace, we don't have a dress code because we feel what, how does the way how you dress impact the work you do? Right. It actually doesn't. Right. I think it's crazy. I, I thought, I just thought it was really weird that. I kept trying to wait and see, like, was it more to the story? or mm-hmm. And it never came back there was anything else to the story. And I'm like, I think it's crazy that they were talking about not letting him gradu- graduate and walk across stage over him having locks. I mean, I'm, I'm locked, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. 
Um, I think that's really unfortunate, but I wanted to give that positive just story about how, you know, he was invited to come to the Oscars, which is really cool. And he was on Ellen too. And Ellen gave him a scholarship. Uh Ellen always doing the work. Uh huh. All right. So now we're about to get messy. (laughs) We're about to get messy because this is pure, pure gossip right now. Okay. I've been fact checking. I've been going, trying to see if there's some truth in this shit. And I, I don't know. So this is gossip. That may be true. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the shit may be true. I don't know. So two weeks ago, I didn't talk about it last week because I was talking about Kobe. But I didn't want to be messy on that episode. So it came out that Lena Waif is getting divorced after being married for like two months. Then it comes out, you know, because I'm like, oh, damn, that's fucked up. Because she was just doing interviews talking about how in love she is mm. and all this shit. And then it comes out after I start digging because I'm like, well, what happened? So then it comes out that apparently she is a serial cheater. Mm-hmm. And then also the fact that she enjoys, I guess, in a way, turning straight girls out. So she has a thing for straight girls. Her ex-fiance was quote unquote straight and she got with her. But the rumor is that she's banging Cynthia. How do you say her last name? I have no idea. Arivio. The girl from Harriet. Harriet. Okay. (laughs) And there's pictures out there. And I mean, when you Google this, I looked it up. And I mean, they even said that they live together. I don't know. But that's that's what word in the street was. This is this is pure gossip. But the thing is, though, that made me want to talk about it, though, because this is we're talking about relationships today. Okay. Apparently from. I guess what I want to say is like, apparently she was already cheating before and the marriage was like a last ditch effort, I guess, to save the relationship or give some kind of commitment saying that maybe she's changed or whatever. Cause they went to the courthouse and I don't think, I don't think it was a planned thing, but why do people do that? Like, I, I'm just confused. I'm like, why do you think getting married? If I mean, if you, if you're a cheater or like, if you just want to fuck, right, we all go through it. We all go through it. I've been through it. Okay. Why do you get in relationships and let alone garbage get married and you still want to do that? Why not just be like, listen, right now, this is where I am. You know, I done got hot out in these streets and, you know, I can't fight the temptation right now. And, you know what I'm saying? Uh, listen, it's not fair to you. You don't just go and be like, let's get married, boo. And you still know that you out here, you out here trying to fuck around. Why do people do that? Well, I think specific to the Lena situation, I think as, this is my therapist brain, not not counseling her, but I, it would appear so that Lena as a person has a type of attachment style where her needs are not being fulfilled. And so Lena's known for like going on like random rendezvous with females and like buying them hundreds and thousands of dollars of gifts and then like, you know, doing the thing that she does. With this specific situation, like you said, like going, like popping up, going and getting married or whatever, I imagine it probably was like one of those like heat of the moment. This is like very intimate, right? It's almost like this like um, fantasy that folks have of like, okay, to fulfill like my deepest attachment needs, I'm going to do this with the person and like that's going to get me there. And then when you find like that's not authentic or like that actually isn't satisfying what you were expecting, you have a situation like this, right? Where it's like an annulment or something of that nature. This whole situation though. It's messy as fuck. I think a lot more is going to come out of it. Um, like post 
everything that happens. Is she banging Harriet? Yes. Yes. It's so funny because I just heard an interview from her on Sway in the morning, probably like six weeks ago. Um, And they didn't ask about Lena. I don't think any of this had came out at that time, but it was just funny because she was talking about relationships and stuff and she was just giggling. I was already had mixed feelings about her because she was playing Harriet Tubman and she actually like, isn't like U S born and raised. So anyways, I guess ultimately I have questions and I think it's going to come out. But do you think, do you think also too though, like sometimes I feel like with creatives and sometimes I think, um, you can get immersed in your projects and get immersed with people like, you know, like other creatives. Is Lena on the Harriet project? No, but they kind of met like, I mean, they're like part of like the young black crew, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you have mm-hmm. the whole crew. Black and Hollywood. so, yeah, the young black. Mm-hmm. And so they're all really close knit, you know, Lapita, you know, all of them. Mm-hmm. Are Living re- that fantasy. Yeah. And so like, I think the fact that they all kind of like travel in the same circles are always around each other. Do you think sometimes, like, because apparently, like, when I was reading, it was, like, how they just, like, you know, have this, like, vibe in and all this. She was at the Met Gala. They were holding hands at the Met Gala. That was, like, two years ago. Oh, um, I mean, it was a whole bunch of stuff. And they always, like, kind of praised each other. Because, honestly, I thought it was going to come out that she was messing with um, Melina. Um, Masukas or yeah. whatever her name is the director of Queen and Slim because yeah. I mean they had energy I felt like because I watched a lot of interviews for that because it seemed like you can get immersed in those projects where you just vibe and like it's as a creative very possible that there probably was somewhere in there I mean I don't I don't know I think I think it gets says a lot about a person but why get how married? they reach out I think that she was trying to ultimately fulfill this need. Like if you are a person who needs to receive love and needs to feel wanted because there's like fear of abandonment or fear of like being alone or isolated, you're going to consistently reach out for connection and community from folks. And, and most of the time, if you're a person that has something to give, you're going to consistently be the giver so that you can show up and expect that from somebody else. But if you're looking for it in, in a, in a loving way or an affectionate way and you're not getting it, it results in you building all these like insufficient, attachments or like doing these attachment bids with all these people and it's like that ain't gonna go nowhere that ain't gonna work for you you're gonna sit up here and crash and burn and ultimately be lonely because you're not doing anything that's actually real yeah yeah i will say this you know um i talk about this all the time when i have my whole period and um you know you think it's fun but it's lonely yes you know what i'm saying because like once the once the fun is over like you're still by yourself Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying because you're not even really allowing people in like it's a fucking lonely place i i don't know like but I just feel like it gets certain. I just, I don't know. I mean, I think it gets to a certain point in life where I, I would think that the whole period should end though. Like it's, you have to mature and grow up somewhere up in it or get the healing. You know, I think I need to get the necessary healing with myself, like self-love and all that stuff to where you're not looking for it in other people. Like, you know how to actually care for yourself and like your emotions and your mental health. You know what I'm saying? Like, instead of like going out, getting these, you know, quick moments of pleasure and then it's like you still feel the same way after i mean a perfect example of this is drake like drake make a whole album about right. different women and in that album maybe like four different other relationships reference in those albums like th- those are attachment bids like th- those are things where you are bidding to feel connection with someone and it's not going to go anywhere so ultimately i think that it's probably something tied into there of why they made that decision and ultimately why it didn't work and they put out that joint statement um which of course is all publicity, but I'm sure it'll roll out. Yeah, just stay tuned today, y'all. I mean, that this is the messy part, but just stay tuned. I don't know. I, I want to know. I mean, I, it's not my business, but I just want to know, like, what happened? 
what happened? Because Lena was in love. What happened? Um, okay, so did you see Meek Mill and Nicki Minaj um, arguing? Well, you know, that's like my whole entire, you know, anything with like pop culture that mixes in like a good, you know, um, references to anything around violence. Like that is my niche areas combined. And I think that even in the entire argument, there were so many things that, you know, as, as someone who works in the anti-violence movement and, and does that work, there were so many things that like I was picking up on that like just wasn't being unpacked by other people's follow-ups that like I needed for folks to see in that whole situation. But my thing is like, okay, I don't know what the fuck happened. I was trying to figure it out and I still don't really know. But I don't, what I, what, what, what I was here thinking of when they're arguing in the mall and she's with her man and her, her man get into it with him. But why the fuck are y'all arguing? Like I'm saying like he got a girl, Meek Mill got a girlfriend too. And Nikki has got a full life husband. Why are y'all fighting? So that's the main premise, right? Like to be in new relationships and they consistently feel tension between someone else. Like, I would say that it's unresolved things like that. Yeah. That is something that's unresolved. But ultimately I feel like both of them did things that haven't been spoken about and they feel like they need to be aired out. Cause like, let's go back four months ago, four months ago, everybody would have said they had a very mutual breakup. They were friendly. Meek's whole documentary came out and Nikki was talking about how she took the stand and how she went in the judges chambers. And like, she's never spoke anything bad on him. Now you have your whole husband. He got his whole girlfriend that's pregnant and he like, you know, physically assaulted you and his sister and things like that. And that very well may be true. We can hold both things like that can definitely coexist in itself and the reason why it comes up now is the part that um has me thinking very similar to the lena situation right nikki is a person who for what we've seen and from her early 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 on music when nikki would ultimately talk about like um like she talked about having an abortion and all these different things that she wasn't ready for but she wanted out of life i think that nikki choosing to marry the man that she did probably was because she had some unfulfilled things in herself that she was looking to have and so now you're in this situation where it's like maybe it wasn't everything you thought it was going to be and maybe you settled a little bit because ultimately let's just be real right like her husband is corny yeah. <laughs> like he's a corny man yeah and i thought it was I, I used to think it was weird that like when she was doing music videos and all that like he had to be in it and all that shit that and that every was post that was every, fucking weird like everything why, everything why does she why can't you have a video guy she claimed she didn't want one but this just sound like fragile male ego to me. I don't know. Right. And then she puts out a single the day after all this like tweeting and all this stuff happens. And it, you could tell that she goes back in and re-records different parts of the song to reference Meek because like she references like a tweet that Moneybag Yo had did about the whole situation. And like he did that tweet the day before the song came out. Right. So you took time and money to go back and re-record this thing. Like what? whenever I see like couples fighting, I'm like, good. I'm glad that you're fighting. Cause when you're fighting, something's there. When you stop fighting, that means we're probably on our way right. to this being over. So y'all still fighting and y'all not even in relationship with somebody that tells me that there's still some buy-in that right. you have. And I feel like if that was my, if that was my boo, uh, uh-uh. uh, what would you, why y'all fight? What, oh, what, no, is, yeah. what is happening right now? Like, I'm like, yeah. it's like, do y'all want to be together? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I wonder when I saw it. Cause I don't understand like why you would be fighting with each other. I didn't, I didn't get it. I still don't get it. And then I was like, then a part of me was like, well, is this random trolling? Cause they had music come out yeah. and Meek Mill and they had on the same day yeah. and all mm-hmm. that. They both had songs come out. So could this be like building some kind of random hype? 
to I don't know. Or do they even need to do that? I don't I don't know. They're too old to do that. Well, they're, they're too old to be arguing in the fucking mall. I mean, Meek Mill's doing all this. Um, he's doing <laughs> all this amazing rich. work. Yeah, rich. like he's doing all this amazing work. I mean, I think that you, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, this um, this work that he's doing with, you know, uh, social injustice and all that stuff. And so why are you doing that? I, I would just walk away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even worth my fucking time. Like, if I saw one of my exes and they were trying to break bad at me, like, I would just walk away. And that's the part that, like, really pissed me off. Like, Nikki was just like, well, if you were about it, come outside. Come outside and do what? Like, what are we really, like, picture yeah. this, Nikki, like, really. Picture Kenneth Petty and Meek Mill right. outside of a store that you have to at least show that you have some wealth to get into. Right. Fighting. But Nicki Minaj, is, Nicki Minaj is petty anyway because it was another guy there, and I can't remember what his name was. And I think he wanted a picture or something. Mm-hmm. And she like refused to fucking take the picture because she thought he was with Meek Mill. And then when she found out he wasn't, she was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah, like, what yeah, the yeah, fuck? Yeah. Like, you don't even want, like, what are we doing right now? Like, to me, that's just. And, and you're the same person who's like, oh, yeah, Beyonce's like my bestie, X, Y, and Z. Well, then you should know that Meek Mill be eating in her house. Like, I know. And, and that was, was also what's pissing me off. Like, and towards the end of the argument, they were both like, we're on this higher level. And, like, I know they were referencing Jay-Z and B. And it's just like, no, you're not. Because Jay-Z and Beyonce didn't even talk about their shit. They right. released platinum selling albums right. too. Like, and that was it. They don't address it. They don't do interviews about it. Like, that's it. I mean, we do have that footage, though, with Solange, you know, in that fucking elevator. And that's the only thing they was going to get. That shit is fucking classic, though. It is. It really is, because Beyonce <laughs> just stood there. So I don't know, guys. I don't want to go there. It's black history. Mom. I know. We don't want to go there. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is, um, okay, so this week we've seen the interview with Gail speaking on, um, speaking to Lisa Leslie, and she asked a question in regards to Kobe um, and the rape allegations. And I have a lot of, I have a lot of, questions in regards to this um i felt like it was like fucked up timing i mean people were still devastated you know mm-hmm. um i'm not gonna ever believe that she it, like you have a choice whether or not you're gonna you know what i'm saying ask That's a question mm-hmm. um but i guess my question is like even though, like, I felt like that rape allegation has, and I personally feel this way, I feel like it always was a shadow there, like, mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. you know, because it kind of settled out of court, the woman didn't want to testify. I mean, and the thing is, though, like, I'm really, like, I mean, I'm a super feminist when it comes to stuff like this, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I would never send be like, something did or didn't happen, I don't fucking know, you know, and I would never, I'm like, I hate when people just be like, it was dismissed, but that doesn't mean that something didn't happen, but I don't know. Um, cause I mean, it happened so long ago and when that happened, I was like 18, I think like I was like in high school. And so I really kind of didn't really follow it that much, but I always felt like he was always feeling like he was in redemption of that because it, it was a shadow. I mean, it, was, yeah. it went on for a year and a half. Do you think it's right to speak on someone, um, in death? I think my unpopular opinion is that Gail King asked the question that many people have but no it's inappropriate to ask right and i think that's why because ultimately i think gail king is like a really good person like right. we, we could tell that when she did the r kelly interview right so i think that she asked a question that a lot of people wanted to ask not maybe fans but like other reporters wanted to ask and she thought that maybe she had some leverage to do so coming straight off the r kelly interview and all that stuff 
I don't feel like it was necessarily important to ask that question though, or, or, or right to right ask now, that question. Right yeah, now. Yeah. It's and, still wrong. And my thing is anytime we're dealing with like any form of violence, um, my thing is like, how does it center the survivor? Right. And I think that ultimately all the things that have come out of the, you know, Kobe legacy. And like, I wasn't a Kobe fan, but like, I appreciated him as a black man and like right. how he showed up in community. Um, but I don't think that, it is centering the needs or the experience of the survivor for that person to have to relive all this again. Like when Kobe died, there was like this massive like blanket that went over black community and really the world about all the things that he's did and all the things that he's given to community. But in the end of all of this, right? Like now we're starting to get into like a really messy area where we're talking about things where one, a survivor's not coming forward feeling like they need his legacy to center her or their experience, right? And it's so like, why are we doing that? Like, why are we bringing up these questions, trying to ask all these athletes? And ultimately, I really think that the media is just obsessed with seeing um, other black athletes like mourn or expression around Kobe. And like, that is so toxic in itself. And so, no, I don't agree that she should have asked the question. I think that um, anytime I think about addressing any forms of violence, we definitely just need to center what the survivor's experience would be and how that would impact them negatively. And regardless of whatever came out of the situation. And ultimately I think sex can just be um, this thing that is like, fetishized or like it's people gets obsessed over and, and and I don't think that it's just appropriate especially if a person has passed like to do all of that yeah and I want to roll back to something you had said like I felt like I, was, I said this last week like I mean I was on some I'm like my episode last week was just I was so out of it because the whole week I felt like the way they were like f- the media was forcing these athletes mm-hmm to fucking talk, forcing them to play. You see these grown men, bloodshot eyes. I mean, it was fucking traumatizing for me. I mean, a little bit. Like, it had, it had, it had me gloomy as fuck. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. And so, like, to where, like, I couldn't get on social media. I still sometimes, like, kind of scroll through and, mm-hmm. and all of that because it's just so much. Um, but I will say, too, okay, so we saw, you know, the, you know, obviously we saw the interview and we saw the responses. And this is the thing though, right? This is the thing that bothers me, whether it was bad timing or whatever. And I, and I have my thoughts towards it. I have my thoughts towards it. And, you know, I I feel like it was bad timing, but I don't think it's right for like Snoop Dogg. I mean, he went the fuck in. Oh, that was so, so is it, so is it right for you to cuss her the fuck out and then say that, you know what I'm saying? Basically, Cut that shit out. We gonna we come gonna come get you to where now she's getting death threats and all that shit. Like now, when it start getting to these levels, and once again, I talk about like you know how black women are always the most unprotected people in America, definitely for sure. I mean, what are we doing? Like, I mean, to call to call her out of her name and all that stuff because you're upset by whatever. First of all, TV is TV. It has editing. We don't know what all kind of what else went into the questioning or what you know what I'm saying because and that's what she said she said that yeah set her up like that she did not like the clip that they released is not actually like the whole thing was about his life and legacy right and impacted Lisa Leslie not how right she was focusing on that one question like CBS set her up right exactly and that's what I'm saying and so it's like sometimes I feel like we're quick to like just get you know all caught up but it's definitely not right to, you know, be calling this woman out of her name. And, you know, now she's like getting death threats and all this stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, like to where she has to go and walk around with like security and all this shit. Like, I just think it's levels. It's levels to shit. And I'm like, it when, it, when you start thinking about it like that, 
just from a woman's standpoint, it's fucked up. I mean, it just continues to show like the whole the whole situation, right? Like if we think about kind of like what I was saying earlier, like if we think about that survivor's experience, like imagine, imagine this person sitting at home, mind their business, already has to deal with like the fallout of like this person passing away and then having to see right. his face and his, 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 you know, his and legacy his everywhere. Too. Right. And his wife and his kids and, and all those things. Right. And then you hear somebody ask a question about a situation that like centers your experience to see the fallout for like what her life is like. Imagine like, it's imagine what that is. And so I think when you have people who hold influence in black communities, like Snoop Dogg who sends messages of like this is okay and this is how we react when we don't like something it continues to just like play into this whole like okay this is how violence occurs in our community this is how like folks who hold power whether it be wealth whether it be like different types of privilege for being a man or being a celebrity whatever the case may be and like how they can continue to do harm and how we should do harm to women black women women who are just doing their job you know like and all those things it just sends like just the wrong messages i agree it was it's kind of scary actually um and it's unfortunate and also i want to say that they did set the public memorial for kobe on two twenty four twenty. i think it's at the staples center too mm-hmm. so i'm guessing it's probably gonna be televised i would assume yes more than so likely it's so it's more morning yeah yeah but honestly though i think this is something that people are going to mourn for a while because Mm -hmm. i mean you know like i said last week i think the most important work he was doing was the work right now Mm -hmm. and so you know i think this this second part of his life was going to be i think honestly more important than the first part it was beautiful work he was doing and so you know just to to lose that it's you know i think it's just something this probably going to be going for a while i think you know they're they're honoring him at the oscars on um on sunday um i mean i don't know but um all right so let's go into my thought of the week so my thought of the week this week is centered strictly around relationships um last week i talked about soulmates versus soul ties and uh so let's just jump into it we're gonna uh pick taylor's brain today so what do you think what do you believe makes a solid relationship oh so i posted this well I, i don't think i posted it on my Instagram yet, but I was watching this video and the video was entitled why you will marry the wrong person. And I mean, like it reads people to filth. So like as a counselor, I practice attachment theory and this is like ultimately at my core, what I believe in and what makes people. And so when I think about what makes, uh, you say like a solid relationship, right? Like yeah. a, like a solid relationship. I think it is, um, very complicated, right? I, I think that it's something that you almost can't measure. And, and it's kind of like innate. I, I like what you were talking about last week about like how your soulmate is something that you just kind of feel like you feel it. Yeah. And I think that's what a solid relationship can be. I think that solid relationships do include arguments. I think people have this perception that like, okay, if I argue with this person, like this is not the person for me, that's almost impossible. I think perfection doesn't exist in relationships. And I think if you seek perfection, you'll consistently be be disappointed in like what you get. I think it takes communication. I think building good communication is hard. I think you have to teach someone how to love you. And I don't think teaching someone how to love you means like teach them how to be a person. Cause once you try to make that person be the person for you, they're not being authentic to self and it's still not going to work, but you need to let people know like what you need and what you want out of a relationship. Um, and I think a lot of people haven't done that work though, right? Like to figure out their own individual needs and then communicate that to their partner. I think, I believe, uh, I I, I agree. And I think honestly, for me, like when I became better at relationships was when I understood that part. Like for me, like I think, um, cause shit, I think I didn't know how to fucking, I didn't even think I knew how I should receive love. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And then when I, you know, came like more knowing of myself and all that, like, then it came a point where it was like, okay, you know, like we're all people, but I think it's important for you to tell people like this, like kind of like your deal breaker. Like this is something that's important to me. You know, I need this from you, you know, and just being clear on that. And then, you know, you obviously can make some concessions to a certain degree, but I mean, I think it's important to say, you know, but to listen, Mm -hmm. because I used to think that I was an amazing person to date. (laughs) And when I think about myself now in my relationships, like, and and these are, these are relationships I actually was faithful in, like my actual relationships. Like, I don't think I was a good partner because I think sometimes I will be stuck in like trying to prove my point like a right fighter. And Mm -hmm. so like somebody could sit and say, Mika, you make me feel this way or you're doing this to me. And I'm like, no, you're not Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this. Like, you know, it's, you know, you're fucking tripping or something like that, which is very problematic. You know, I had to get finally get to the point where I was like actually listening to what the person is saying and telling you what you need and you just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, instead of trying to say, no, that's not the case, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that was actually one of my biggest mistakes I ever made in, in relationships where that, I guess I had to mature to that and understand that because I think, which I tell people now, you know, I even tell my kid this, like when somebody tell you how you're making them feel, this is their feelings. You can't come back later and say, well, that's not valid. Mm-hmm. No, it is valid because this is their feelings. Yeah. And I had to learn that to be better in relationships, like in, in my friendships too, like all of it, like, mm-hmm. because I used to be like, I don't know why they feel that way. Well, they're telling you why the fuck they feel that way. They're telling, they're telling you, yeah. but you're the one that's not listening because you're stuck in your own shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I had the opposite experience though. So for me, it was like, I could specifically like tell you exactly what I needed and like what, how I wanted somebody to show up in a relationship. And it was before I actually got married that like at the time he was my boyfriend, he was like, listen, um, no, that's, that's your own shit. Like you need to go get some help because something is like the thing that you're asking for is feeding you. But like, that is unhealthy to do. And it was like the first time that anybody I had ever been in any type of relationship with, whether it be like a serious emotional relationship, like superficial, like just like relationship as a friend. It was the first time someone was like, you know, you need to go figure out like why you are the way you are. Right. And once I did that work and went to therapy, I realized realized that I had a lot of unresolved things in my stuff, like in myself, like my own stuff was causing me to want somebody else to fix that for me. And all my partners were willing to do that because they thought that's like, Hey, this is what makes us be together. And that's why it ain't work. Like and none of it worked. Yeah. You know, you're young. Yeah. So you, you think, you think that. So this leads into my next question. Do you think seeing healthy relationships help you display or have a healthy relationship? Um, I think it can be, a helpful factor but what I found in like just working with couples working with individuals and just like you know going through school to become a therapist and all that stuff what I found is that like really yes and no right like to, to see what a healthy relationship is cool but if you've never actually held a healthy relationship yourself that's also cool like there are people who have been who have seen nothing but like adverse childhood events or have been through all these traumatic things and they can tell you exactly what they don't want and so they're able to recognize red flags where there are some people who you know grew up in a two-parent household everything's been great had like all this privilege and opportunity and they still don't know how to love like, they don't know how to find a relationship because it's like oh well if this just happened to my parents it'll happen to me because they didn't see all the right. other things and so i don't think it really i think it's important way. too to kind of explain that it's okay to argue because mm-hmm. I, I know people growing up listen their parents like literally like i guess never fall in front of them and they're mm-hmm. like oh, i've never seen my parents argue i've never seen my parents do anything and 
then um they get, get divorced yeah like out of nowhere and it and it <laughs> and it rocks the fucking kids to the core because yeah. they're like what like i thought my parents were happy and all that and i just i don't know how to fully i mean i have these conversations like you know in my house but you know to where it's like it's healthy like to sometimes fight in our like but i also have this like battle because I don't think you should be arguing in front of your kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I think you, but I think you should have yeah. conversation about like that. It happens like, you know, mm-hmm. that like I try to, when I talk about relationships, especially like, you know, with the child and you know, him going into like now he's dating and stuff like that. Like I try to explain to him to where it's like, if sometimes you get upset, it's okay. But it's all about like being respectful mm-hmm. and how you argue and things like that. But like, you know, every day it's not, Rosie, I mean, in, in general, like right. every, every day, you know, it's not. And see, yeah, for me, like growing up, my parents didn't have a healthy relationship. So I'd never seen it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I learned love through R&B songs and love movies. And so I fucking thought literally that that was love. Like, so when I got in my relationships, <sighs> I just thought that's, that's what it was like. Like you have all these feelings and it's just so just like this emotional connection. And then like, obviously when I became an adult, it's like, you're supposed to have this crazy sexual experience. Like when you see each other, you're throwing yeah. your clothes on the floor. Like, because that's literally what I thought love was because I never seen, I never seen like, Taylor's choking, but I never seen, um, I never seen like my mom get flowers mm-hmm. or my mom getting taken on a date. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. I never, I never saw it. And so like, I didn't know what the standard was for love. Yeah. Like what, what they even look like. I had to, I had to learn it as I, I kind of went through that shit in my twenties, like trying to figure out like, what is love? Or, mm-hmm. you know, like how, how should you receive love? Like, I don't think I really solidly figured that shit out to my thirties. I think um, in that same YouTube video I was watching, the guy was like, the most dangerous weapon that was created was Walt Disney because, like, it painted all these pictures of, like, what love is and, like, people made that the staple of, like, what it could be, right? And I think even the way how our parents experience love or our caretakers or anybody who we watch, like, it is not the same. My mom is the opposite person of me. Like she is cool down to earth. Rarely anything gets her riled up. For me, I can get riled up because I didn't get a good morning test. Like I need a different type of security, right? And like all that's created from the way how we're nurtured when we're very young and like how our first relationship went with our parents or either with like friends and family. And so it's different for everybody. But when you have like, like you said, like those R&B songs or you have like those movies, you know, and it's like, okay, well this is what love's going to be like. It's so deceptive and it can make you like get into this like, well, I'm not, this doesn't feel like that. No, nothing's going to actually feel like that. Listen, I fucked up so many relationships thinking like, oh, this shit not perfect. You know, I got to break up you. (laughs) And I mean, looking back on it, like I probably really lost out on some amazing people because Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I just didn't, I just thought it was supposed to be a certain way. And when it wasn't that way, like I just didn't think like, you know, I don't know. So I, I, I think I'm always like back and forth with like, I know some people that grew up in a healthy relationship household, two, two parents Mm -hmm. and they're horrible people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, I mean, like, I mean, fucking cheaters, every fucking thing, like, and had, you know, have amazing fucking parents. So I just like, I don't always think that it's going to equate to you just being like perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, when there's no such thing as perfect, but I mean, just being a decent individual. And then sometimes I have, I have, you know, one of my guy friends, and he grew up, you know, with amazing parents. His father's like amazing. And now I see him, he's about to be a father. 
and he's an amazing husband and like he's actually like just a beautiful man mm-hmm. like you know where like I don't feel that way often about many men to be completely honest like but with him like he is just the epitome of what I would want my son to be mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying or if I had a husband like my husband to be mm-hmm. you know very great so you see some some sometimes stuff like that where it's like oh you know and I'm sure it's because he had an amazing father. I, I I feel that way. Like his parents are very much invested in this life. Like even even now, like they're looking forward to being grandparents. And you can just tell he has an amazing core. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how he came out to be like a decent person. But I I don't know. I don't. I mean, it's so yeah. And I, I'm up sure and that down. There was like things in his experience that probably took a lot of work for him to get to that point. That like we also don't see as much. And I think I was um talking to somebody else, and I was like, I really feel like when it comes to relationships and stuff, like we get messages about like what safety is. And I think like to walk through the world, to be like black, right? Like a black woman, black man, whatever it, it like shapes how we see ourselves in relationship with people, like what we consider to be safe. Like, is it safe for me to be like very like vulnerable and like emotional with this person? Maybe, maybe not. Right. And so like when we're in relationship, I think that establishing safety means so much to like, it's the beginning of a relationship and can quickly turn toxic because someone just feels like, okay, well I have power over you. And so I'm going to take advantage of that, or I'm going to do this and do that. And I think it can lead to like unhealthy communication patterns. Cause ultimately I always tell people like when they come to therapy, like the issue is not either one of you. The issue is the negative loop that you get stuck in. And mm-hmm. it's until you recognize like what you're doing and like, Because ultimately, you're both hurt. And so, like, because you're both hurt, you're reacting to that hurt versus, like, trying to respond to each other's needs. I think when I went to therapy, the most important thing that, like, was an eye-opener for me was, like, we went over the Cartman Triangle. Mm -hmm. um, And it was, like, that was me. I was in that drama triangle, girl. And... Until I real like I t- when one day she told me she's like go home and read this mm-hmm. like because this is what you do, mm-hmm. and I was doing that like I felt like you know if I did all of this stuff, you know for you, then you should do for me mm-hmm. you know like it just some stuff was just unrealistic because I think you have to also understand the person that you're with, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like everybody loved differently. And then I had to go over love languages to really understand like oh like because I'm not really I don't care about gifts like. I like shiny shit, but like, I I am a physical touch quality time. Like, so you know, I rather be you know booed up somewhere than you go buy me something. <laughs> like, I'm gonna say thank you, but I need more than yeah. that, right? But then you could be a person that you only give gifts. Mm-hmm. Well, you're never gonna connect with that person because you're not reaching their love languages. And I, and I made those mistakes too. So let's go to the next question. We bouncing all around, but that, but I, when I learned that though, mm-hmm. you know, was when I really just became better in relationships, like understanding the relationship. Cause everybody's different. Like yeah. you can't, you know, you're married now, but the person that you dated before, I'm sure the love was completely different from your husband. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like completely different thing. And all my relationships, everybody was different. But I think in my twenties, I was trying to literally love everybody the same way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And you can't do that. That's yeah, why they were unsuccessful, yeah. you know? It's not, it's, it's not. So since we're talking about this, um, what do you think your opinion about about soulmates versus soul ties? Like, what do you think? Yeah, so I like how you put it last week in that, like, a soulmate doesn't have to be, like, your romantic partner. I think it's an interesting spin on it. I think when I think about a soul tie, I think about it a little bit differently than how you described it. Um, I think of a soul tie the same way and how I think of a trauma bond. 
I don't know if you've heard of trauma bonds before, but like trauma bonds are like basically like the reason why you feel so attached to a person is actually not the real reason why you're attached to them. Like, so a trauma bond can show up in so many different ways, but the way how I see it so much in relationship is like, basically I have a fear of being alone. And so I'm going to date somebody who is going to need me so that I feel like I have purpose. Right. But like that needing me is very unhealthy because it shows up in like this very like disorganized attachment, like style and like this like push and pull. I want you here. I don't want you here. And it's like, okay, I get something from this, but do I really? Um, And so when I think about like, what do you mean by that? Like, do you feel like it's like a false security? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, how we basically operate and we get our needs met shouldn't be contingent upon somebody else. Like I should be able to be a self-sufficient person who receives love from folks, but it is not like in my existence if I do not receive this. And I think in trauma bonds, that's how it can show up because it's like, oh, we both have this like adverse experience. We can relate to each other. Okay. Like we should be together. Yes. But like, why are you actually together? Um, and I think that shows up in a lot of different like celebrity relationships or a lot of different like, um, storylines. Like I can't remember the most recent, movie that was going around and it was like oh no it was the humans of new york the newest post that they had did trauma bond but (laughs) i need to read that though because i only saw one of 11 and i'm like yeah is it all up there now um i think somebody read it and somebody had like this big thing it was like all of them though like all the whole story the whole story i guess like depicted half of it it was just like this person was lied to for like 40 plus years by her husband right. and kind of like got cheated on for all these right. years and went through all these things. They didn't even know his name. Like she didn't deserve that. Like, yes, she seems happy now, but like, is that actual happiness? And they were just talking about it. So I didn't read it all myself, but I just remember thinking, I need to read it though. Yeah. I just remember thinking to myself that a lot of people get into relationship for many different reasons. And I think that sometimes it is the wrong reason and they're getting something out of it that like, actually isn't healthy like I know I had a relationship like that like a long time ago where anytime I had an anxiety attack it was like okay this person is going to be the only person that's going to be able to like fix me and so I need to call this person so that they can fix me Uh uh-uh that ain't work yeah (laughs) because like I actually was not fixed I was satisfied in that very like like moment and everything else outside of that I was very unhappy with but it was like well this person needs me and I need them so like this is gonna work no I think what you're saying is very important because like for me I had to learn that you know because um and that goes back to just Mm self-love and you know your self-worth because you can't rely on somebody else to make you happy like Mm -hmm. you have to first make you make yourself happy Mm -hmm. and then obviously I think that your partner should give you happiness too but I think they got to start first with you Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and so where I used to be so unhappy because it's like you know I did all this shit for you and you didn't do shit for me you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying because I'm thinking like well if I be an amazing you know I'm saying girlfriend then they are going to be amazing you know partner back to me you know like like that's what I thought but it just you know some things don't always necessarily work the way plus do you think that it's their relationships are even I think somebody I don't I think they're uneven I don't think it's always like you give they give and it's always a 50 50 split no I, I even put in my vows I think I put my vows on the days where I can't give 50 percent I'm okay I don't remember the exact line. The line was something like, you can give 80 and I'll give 20. No, thank you for something about me, like appreciating the days where I couldn't give like all of myself, like being okay with like you taking 80% and I'm giving 20. So I think that it varies on a day to day. And I think it varies on the relationship and how it's set up. Cause a lot of people like feel shame for how their relationships are because they feel that like, 
their relationship should be structured different because their friends' relationships are structured different. Like, if you have an agreement with your partner to go 50-50 on the bills, sis, go 50-50 and be right. proud of that. Like, right. don't feel shame because you got your other partner over here who's like, yeah, well, my my husband, he pays for everything in the house and I don't have to pay a bill. Okay, like, that's y'all's arrangement. Doesn't mean that mine is wrong. Right, and everybody and everybody's situation is different anyway. So I always be like, don't put your friends in your shit. And that leads to my next question, actually, because we're talking about friends now. So what do you think about friends? And what I mean by that is, like, do you, um, but what I mean by that, like, do you, like, for, okay, let me, let me, let me use myself as an example. I don't talk to my friends about my relationship, period. Like, Mm -hmm. it might be times, maybe I might say something, you know, but for the most part, like, I'm talking to my therapist Mm -hmm. because, like, I, I just think that some things, in some things you want to have a safe space and everybody doesn't always give, you know, give you that or give you best advice. And also people are biased, you know, mm-hmm. like if it's my friend, they're going to be like, you know, they're going to be biased to me. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about like, you know, how they say when you get married, um, you know, you can't hang out with your single friends anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like who you surround yourself with. Like, I know people who, which I don't know, you know, for me, I, I wonder about it, but, um, cause I, cause I had to cut off people when I got into like a committed relationship mm-hmm. who was still out fucking cheating in the club and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like that's not me. And mm-hmm. I felt it was important to not be around that. Cause I couldn't be around that because I didn't feel like it would be conducive to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do you think about like being married and having like single friends and still kind of trying to like, or, or somebody speaking on your relationship? Yeah. I think one of the things that I often think of like in my own experience is like, I'm careful of like what I open up about my relationship because ultimately I think sometimes when you talk to a friend and you like share your experience about something, they think that you're asking for advice. It's like, no, nah, I was just telling you, right. like I actually don't care to hear your opinion on this. And I think that's also cool because I've been in, like I have a, um, a very specific friend group, like it's five girls and two of us are married and the other three are in relationship. And so I think there's like, oftentimes we'll like joke about different things in our relationship that like show up with like the guys that we're with or whatever. Um, but I think when it comes to something serious, right? Like say we're talking about like finances or kids or something like that. Like those are things that I wouldn't go into detail about like our conversations other than like general things like, Oh yeah, we're going to have a kid one day. Right. Right. But like, not like, okay, when we have a kid, our finances are going to look like this. And I think that's where you get dangerous. You have to find the sweet spot. And also every friend is not for everything. And a lot of people have trouble figuring that out. Like it's okay to have a friend to talk about TV shows with. It's okay to have a friend to like talk about your relationship with. And there's like a friend that you may talk about family stuff with, but you don't have to expect for each friend to be that person to, to handle all the topics. Cause that's where it can also get dangerous. And I think in my experience, I've had some really terrible friends. I've had friends that have been around for like 10 plus years and don't get stopped talking to me one day and like I found solace in that oftentimes too maybe I overshared with friends and like the trajectory of my life me going to college you know joining sorority then being successful graduating early then going on to grad school that's too much for some people yeah and and that's okay right and so I think I had to learn how to sit in what is my stuff to own and like what I could have done better in relationships or just friendships with and like things that are actually their own stuff that like got projected onto me and like that's cool and I think that can come up in like when you're sharing with friends or talking about friends like friends are gonna like they're humans like they care about you and they're human so they're gonna project stuff they're gonna have feelings about stuff and it's up to you to make sure that you like can receive that and then also like peep that so that you can like take care of yourself within the relationship itself too you know how I feel about friends right now in general I'm in a place like this 
I need simple friends to where like you understand I got life happening right now and I understand you got life happening and like you know we don't gotta talk every day mm-hmm. you know like I'm like I'm trying to be just a better friend in general where like I shoot you a text or I say hello and it doesn't mean I don't care it just means that like I'll be busy mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like sometimes I don't want to have phone conversations you know like I shoot you a text and like so I feel like sometimes I agree with you when it comes to friends like I'm very guarded with certain things, especially like my relationships, because I've had, I've had an instance in life where, um, we've had toxic relationships with inside of our relationship with friendships, Mm -hmm. you know, where their shit is all fucked up. So they're trying to make your shit all fucked up. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm very now like completely guarded when it comes to that. Like, I don't talk about my shit like at all. And so, you know, you know, obviously if we're doing something like that, it's different, but like, I don't talk about like personal things except for just with therapists, just because I just want to feel like I'm in a safe space with somebody, not just, you know, but when it comes to, um, you know, just friends in general, I, I like what you said in regards to like these, this friend is for this friend for this. But like for me in general, right now with my friends that I have and like, you know, my core, I love that I can just be, and they're not expecting me to call every day and do all this shit. Like I can just be, and when we hang out again, it's cool. You know, like I might not text you for two months and then be like, Hey, you want to get dinner with me on Friday? And like, it's fine. Yeah. You know, I hate the ones that's like all in their feelings. Cause I'm like, look, you like, a girl be busy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But that don't mean I don't care. And if something going on with you, shoot me a text. Right. You get what I'm saying? Like, so I, I don't know, like it's working for me right now, but I also don't have any, I don't have any fucking needy friends either. Thank God. So <laughs> it works for me. I don't know. But I think you have to be careful with, um, people you put in your relationship. But I think you have to be careful with people you put in your life period. Um, mm-hmm. and I believe in energies and I was telling my sister this last night, which is funny. I was like, I think more and more as I get older, like I really am understanding energies. Mm-hmm. And if you over there on some, on some dumb ignorant shit or some negative shit, like I don't want you around. And so like, I'm probably going to not be your friend to be completely honest. Like, yeah. cause I don't want that shit jumping on me. And it also like reflects a lot in a relationship. If like you're a person and you see your friend not holding your other friend accountable. Right. Like if you are a married person and you see like your married friend doing some shit they're not supposed to do and you don't say anything, like I'm questioning what type of friend you are. We spoke about that at our wedding. Our minister was actually my father-in-law who like literally looked out at everybody and was like, this is your village. Like if they fall, like you have fell too. Like we have to hold everybody accountable in this. So, like if anything happens, they should be able to call either one of y'all and y'all could be like, uh-uh, go back. Like yeah. not the opposite way. And I think that's important though, because I, if my friend was like cheating or something crazy, like I would definitely say something. Cause I mean, I would hope that if I was, if I was doing that, that they would say something to me, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, and I would struggle if it was something that continued and I knew, you know, I would struggle with the relationship because like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be wrong. I mean, I don't judge it. I don't want to come off judgy saying that, but like, I just, but then that's what happened with like Kobe and Shaq. Didn't they fall out because like Kobe low key, like snitched on Shaq. Yeah. Like when, when, (laughs) well, and plus when the whole thing happened, you got to think Kobe was like young as shit. He came to the league when he was like 17. Yeah. And so the way they fell out, he was literally like, what everybody on the team does and talk about how they go out on the boat and how Shaq be like cheating and all that. Yeah. Kobe was saying, and that's how they had beef. Well, he was being a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> he was just saying, he was saying the truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened though. Okay. And so I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I just think you got to be careful when it comes to that. So let's end this talking about you. Um, so being newly married, what do you believe 
has changed in you from being a girlfriend to a wife? And how do you think you've changed? Um, I have had to hold myself accountable, which is very hard for me to do. Like my Virgo energy, like projects like perfection and like organization and like, no, I know what I'm doing. I have a plan. I've done the plan. Like I'm accomplished. I've checked the box. And I think that like, as a girlfriend, like we always, um, dated with the intention to like this, to be like a long-term forever thing. And so I think after I got married, I had to really like, and, and for the most part, like things feel the same, right? Like we had lived together. Like we had planned all these things. We knew what we were doing with life. Like all those things have been the same, but I think as far as like actions and accountability, I've had to look at life a lot different. Like I've had to look at it from a like, okay, this person is not trying to harm you, even though you feel triggered. Like my, my own core, uh, like the things that I was fearful about would get activated. And I would have to remember like not to be reactive. Like this person is not trying to hurt me. This person is like responding to something that's happening. And so like, let me think about it from that standpoint and let me figure out how I can like meet them where they like, after we got married, we did a lot of business stuff like immediately, which like would not recommend to anybody getting married. Like we got married in May, bought a house in August. And as soon as we got back from our honeymoon, like we were in house mode. Um, and like during that process, we even said like, okay, we're going to take a break. Like we're not going to talk about house stuff, nothing. And our lease was ending, but like doing all that business stuff, like really got us into like this. Okay. This is not a business relationship. Like this is something that should be like emotional and physical and all these different things. And so like we got to break out of that cycle. We got to like think about what's most important to us. And some of those conversations can be hard to have. Right. But I had to like hold myself accountable and like, okay, yeah. Like my Virgo energy, I was pushing this agenda. I wanted right. to check the boxes. I wanted to do things this way. And like, I had to be accountable to be like, that was wrong. Like I, we should have slowed down. Like we should have took time to enjoy each other, like fresh off of a honeymoon, you know, things like that. And so I think that's probably like the biggest change that basically like I had to grow the fuck up <laughs> and like really and I, and I feel like for a certain sense because we were dating we were engaged for over a year like I did a lot of like growing in that time and we did premarital counseling which I of course like outside of just being a therapist completely recommend because I was like hey we need to check all our boxes from like somebody who can you. like see us from the outside in and so I think it's like did you do premarital through the church or? no oh, no good. yeah so I would not do it through the church just because like I feel like the therapy that like I'm looking for psychotherapy, right? Like I'm looking for actual theory to be applied, not right. um, religious Bible. ideology right. like applied to like my relationship. Like, yeah, cool. But like not what I was interested in. Like I need for folks to like check all those types of boxes. Right. I always uh, tell people, um, you know, that's going into getting married and all that, like definitely do um, premarital. Because I think at the beginning is where, you know, you, you're able to talk about like what you need, what you're looking for, um, and things like that. Like before you get into it, cause sometimes you get into a marriage and then, then now you're having that conversation or, or you had that expectation. Like I know, like I, I know people who like their mama cooked every day, you know, and that's what they, that's what they were used to and just to, and they saw their dad chilling on the couch and that was what they thought the role was. You know, mm-hmm. so then they get married to a woman that don't cook. You you see what I'm saying though? And then yeah. now they're like, what the fuck? Like, you know, yeah. like I want to just sit on the couch and you come carry and bring me my plate. Yeah. You know, and I, so I think like, one, I hate gender roles. I hate, 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 hate gender roles. And I feel like I'm, and, and it's crazy because I'm very domesticated, you know, <laughs> but I, and I don't know how that happened, but I hate gender roles though. Like, so, you know, I, I feel like. If, you know, if it's to say like, you know, a man, woman relationship, if the fucking trash is full and you walked by it, 
the woman can take the fucking trash out. Like, yeah, you know, we were raised to say, oh, the man should be, yeah, mm-hmm. in theory, yes. Like, you, you're, you know, yeah. you're a man. Yeah. But, like, if he's not there, you can get it. Right. And I think, like, even in my relationship, like, Larry will say things like, I never expect for you to take the trash out. And, like, I'll take the trash out from time to time. But, like, like I'll have this thing where it's like, do not take the trash out in our bathroom. And, like, it's just because I'm a girl and I use it way more frequently than him, especially when it's that time of the month. And I'm like, uh-uh. Like, you're fine with it. I can't do it. Like, right. just let me touch the trash, right? And I think for some people, it's the opposite, where it's like there is no expectation to, to touch trash at all. And it's like, if the trash is full, I'm going to pick it up take it out dog gonna go play outside and it's like right. five seconds and i think and i think some stuff is cool like you know i just think you fall into whatever your role is mm-hmm. in your relationship but i'm saying like i don't feel like it's something that is a requirement mm-hmm. um like coming into it because you're a woman mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and so yeah. like those are what i don't believe in you know but i think when you fall into your relationship and then you fall into what you because i know somebody who husband always go fill up their tank Mm -hmm. and they've never pumped gas ever, which is cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, but Mm -hmm. that's their thing. But I don't, I wouldn't have an expectation like, Oh, well my husband's going to go do my gas. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, but I think it's beautiful for them. Every, every couple is different and relationships different. So I think that's something to just always consider. I think when you fall into like a woman's supposed to do this, a man's supposed to do this, and this is what it is. I think that's where relationships fuck up because Mm -hmm. we need to get out of gender roles or what we saw our mama and grandma do Mm -hmm. because I mean, in the day, like, uh, where they happy. And it's okay. If your roles change in your relationship, like if you've been married 20 plus years, like, it is okay. And it for probably will change. Happen. Yeah. And I think a lot of like, sometimes I see like folks feeling like, okay, well we've put this much time in and like, I need to like cash out on my investment. It's like, uh, no, like you're, you have life ahead of you. Okay. If you're 40 and you want to start over, please like start over. And think about it. I'm 35 and Mika at 25 is like completely different. Mm-hmm. I was crazy when I was 20. And so I just think about when I think about like how I was like, and so imagine if I was in a relationship this whole entire time, how I would have transitioned so many times. So mm-hmm. I also think though, when people go into marriage where they make the mistake of, and I think it's men more so truly men don't want women to change. They mm-hmm. want you to be that woman that they met when y'all got married. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then when you start changing and shifting, they're like, Oh, Oh, you know, <laughs> Or like anything could change, you mm-hmm. know, you might get come more into your woman body or whatever. And like, I just feel like, I feel like more so men struggle with change than women. I don't know, but I feel like I hear that more often. I just sometimes feel like they want you to still be that same exact person from the beginning. And it's like, but you have to realize like you will change, mm-hmm. but you have to evolve and change together, mm-hmm. you know, to have a withstanding marriage. This is coming from somebody who's not married, but this is really what I think though, like in general, as far as relationships, like I think that's where you make the mistake of, um, you know, because I, I, I've done that in mine, you know, where, um, you know, you change and you, and, but sometimes I'm like, well, at the beginning we used to do this, Yeah. you know, you yeah. say that, you know, yeah. and then, you know, or let's get back to this, but you also got to think like maybe some hurt doesn't happen in there, you yes. know, yes. maybe some forgiveness mm-hmm. need to take place or, you know, like you're maybe some stuff has transpired to where it's been a shift now, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I suggest to everybody that, um, especially with couples, um, go to therapy. And even if it's not something you're doing every single week, 
you know, doing touch points. It's nothing wrong every three months, you know, just going and talking to somebody. I, I mean, I think for me, like I'll be in therapy for the rest of my life because I feel like you should just have touch points. I even said like, you know, um, if I was to have like a, a kid or something like that, like, I don't think it's nothing wrong with you going to have touch points just to talk, you know, and just have those spaces, but especially in a couple, because you are going to change and you have to kind of figure out like, what does that involvement look like? And are y'all evolving together? And ultimately when you're in relationship with somebody, like you both have investment into like whatever this like marriage stock is. And so like both of you all can try to sit down and do the thing that maybe you've seen in therapy or whatever, but it's like, it's not going to work because you both have investment in it. And so once you get that third party to really like show you all how you're both, you know, like showing up for each other, it really helps like do the thing where it's like, okay, this person clearly has no stock in this. So they're not taking a side. They're just seeing how we're both like responding and like how we're showing up. And so that it can help us like operate a little bit better within our relationship. And so, yeah, I, I definitely like agree with you and like go to therapy is not what it seems like on TV. Like it's literally a conversation. Like when I'm in therapy, this is exactly how I talk to people. Right. Like I'm like, I'm not going to do that thing you see on TV. Uh, uh-uh. Like we're going to be ourselves. Right. I agree. So we're going to end it, um, with one last question. And it's, it, do you have any relationship advice that you would give to couples in general? Um, I would say that, Right. Like this is like with a caveat that like you are in a safe relationship and safe meaning like you're not experiencing any types of like physical violence or any other form of violence like coercion or, you know, emotional abuse, um, things like that. But like, I think that the, the one piece of advice I, I give to relationship well, to couples in relationship oftentimes in therapy is just that like your partner is not trying to hurt you, right? Like they are showing up the way how they are, whether that be like very escalated or very withdrawn because they are experiencing an emotion that is probably on the same level as yours. It just looks a lot different than yours. And so like that person's not trying to hurt you. They're not trying to harm you and they're experiencing their own emotion. And so at some point we have to like call it as a truce and be like, Hey, let's just put it out on the table. Like, what is it that, you know, trigger the situation or like how can we avoid having communication that continues to fall into like the same loop that we get into right and maybe that's at a point where you like decide okay we cannot figure this out on our own and we need to go see a therapist or like maybe it's just like figuring out how do you um become less reactive to situations and more responsive because oftentimes when you react to your partner it's because you've been escalated or triggered by something and so I think it's just really important to like remind yourself like, Hey, they're not trying to hurt me. Like they just don't understand where I'm coming from. And like, maybe you don't understand that on your own. Like that's also okay. I think that's really good advice. And I think if I had any advice for any couples, I think my biggest thing is just to communicate and to listen. And what I mean by listen, like active listening to your partner, because a lot of times you don't realize that you probably don't really listen as much as you probably should, you know, to just what the fuck they're saying. I didn't do it. I'm telling you, they would tell me, girl, I'm happy. And I'd be like, oh, you are, you know, so being funny, but no, really, I just, I lacked, um, active listening for a long time. And so, um, that was an area I had to really, really, um, work to improve on. But, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation today about relationships. We could talk about relationships, I think forever, honestly, because they're so, it's so much and they're so, they're ever, forever evolving. Um, so I want to thank Taylor for coming in here today. Uh, I'm gonna give you a chance right now to pub all the stuff that you're working on. This girl's bad. Okay. Y'all. So she be out here working. So <laughs> pub your stuff and let everybody know where they can find you. If they want to hear more from you. 
Yeah, so um, I actually own a private practice out in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, um, and that is called Healing and Authenticity. And so really I design, it's really a community organization, but it's designed to center the needs of marginalized folks in various communities. So I provide community workshops, um, low-cost therapy services, and then oftentimes I'll um, partner with like different community stakeholders. So recently I partnered with the city of Winston-Salem to speak to their youth advisory council um, that met across the state. Um, also, I think coming up, I'm going to hold some workshops on kind of like a refresher for couples. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be like long-term married folks, or like folks who are in like long-term committed relationships, folks who are um, married, pre, uh, folks who are also like getting ready or prepared to be married, so engaged couples. Um, and like we're just going to do a workshop where it's going to be some fun questions that prompt you to like talk about your communication styles and like how we can better communicate. So I have some of that coming up. You can find all that information on www.healingandauthenticity.org and my Instagram where I often um, post a lot of Instagram like therapy quotes, but like definitely in a, a very authentic and like down to earth, like get your life right way. Um, that is at Healing and Authenticity on Instagram. And then also you can find me on Facebook at Healing and Authenticity as well. And I'm going to put this stuff in the episode notes too, so people can know where to find you. But I thank you so much for, um, for coming in and speaking with us today. I had so much fun. This is a really good episode. I had so much fun. And you can also find me on Instagram. It's just my thoughts, underscore podcast on Twitter, IJMT podcast. And you know, if you want to have any direct questions or feedback, uh, like subscribe, you can find me on Google play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, most streaming, uh, platforms and also you can email me at ijmtpodcast at gmail.com uh, once again i thank you so much for listening it's mika here and i appreciate you